0: All right. Welcome and thank you for joining us for the third and last session, maybe.
1: (laughs) It ain't going to be the last one. (laughs) (laughs) We have too much of this shit to do.
0: Yeah. Well, welcome to Building Relationship Capital, the first CISO sellers mashup series at Audience First. Today, we're going to be talking about how do I turn a CISO into a loyal advocate? I am your host and moderator, Danny Wolf, CEO at Audience First. For those of you who are new here and for our returning visitors, how does this work? We're going to be unmuting our mics today so that we can get honest feedback from one another. Two cybersecurity sales professionals and two CISOs will have the opportunity to ask each other questions. Today, actually, we're gonna speed, we're gonna change it up a little bit because I am going to hijack the conversation as well and ask some questions. So CISOs don't have any questions today. It's coming from the sales and marketing side. The goal is to have them and you take away practical tips on how to turn CISOs into loyal advocates, become advocates yourselves so that you can gain long-term personal and business value from each other. So Some housekeeping items. If you have questions for us, the panelists, uh, for me, for anybody on the call in the comments as well, please contribute in the comments. We will open the floor at the end of the session for some Q and A. And if you can't make it through this whole session, that's totally fine. You can head over to audiencefirst.fm and we will send you the recordings, all three, should you wish plus some extra goodies. Uh, once again, thank you to our brave and awesome panel who have set time aside for the third time in a row to tackle a hot topic in security. If that's not loyalty, I do not know what is. Thank you to also those who are still feeling under the weather, Erica and Dimitri. Holy moly, they are not feeling well. Thanks for coming on. I know that it's uh, it's not easy, so feel better.
2: Expected All right. attrition due to COVID. And this
0: stuff is just not <laughs> going to go away. We are wishing everybody healthy vibes and, and, and a speedy recovery. Okay, so I want to open up the floor today with two questions. One for the sellers in the house and one for the CISOs. For the sellers in the house, why do you think um, – more security firms and startups are not leveraging advocacy as a strategy for retaining and even acquiring new customers. It's there's, there's this large focus on, you know, net new ARR, getting that net new logo acquisition. What, what is it about advocacy that's kind of left to the side?
3: Question. That's an open question. Is that, you're just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, Man, I I think probably with all sorts of situations like this, it's a, you know, from top-down leadership type of thing. And then I also really do believe, and I mentioned this last time, that with, you know, with startup culture and with people trying to rev up so fast, and especially in the SaaS space where it's all about licensing, I mean, it's really trying to go to market as quick and as fast as possible. And sometimes I think through that process, like the you know, building of relationships and a lot of the things we're talking about get bypassed because, I mean, there's a sprint in order to get from series A to B and so on in order to become viable. I mean, there's a whole roadmap in gaining clients quickly or customers quickly or seats quickly. I mean, that seems to be kind of a, a part of a lot of that. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's something that I would imagine is somewhere in the mix here. Yeah. I think that... um
4: we're just too focused on money and growing um, the ARR and the revenue and we just forget everything and it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying that, that all companies don't try that, but I just think that the startup culture specifically is so worried about, you know, getting the next round of funding get or, you know, getting Wall Street to be happy with them, whoever their investors are, that they just forget about all of that and they lose it all.
0: Any color commentary uh, from the CISOs?
2: yeah uh, we talk about damage. Uh, you're talking about is uh, lasting change right so we're talking about what, what's happening now what we would like to see, which is retent- retention and and, and working on existing customers a lot more than just the new one. So if we take that as the lasting change is the goal of the lasting change we, have, we would consider why is it not happening right That's your question why is it not happening And usually whenever, Lasting change isn't occurring. It's one It's one of the three reasons. Either people don't know, so people, unknowing people. People can't, unable. Either they know, but they can't. Or they know and they can, but they don't want to. Unwilling, right? So we have people that don't know, people that don't know how, and then people that don't want to. And it's a it's like a it's a it's a pyramid. People don't want to, it's usually the smallest amount and the people that don't know how and then people simply don't not aware. And for each one of those three, there is a thing you can do to bit to to improve the situation. So for people that don't know, it's communication, what we're doing right now. So starting point is education, communication with people that simply don't know, unaware. People that don't know how, again, what we're doing is exactly into that category. We are hitting them and saying, okay, well, if you understand that this needs to happen, but you don't know how, just follow these one, two, five steps. And finally, the smallest group of people that are unwilling, and for those, it's about motivation. How do we motivate the people that know it should happen and know how to do it, but why aren't they doing it? And it comes down to, honestly, cybersecurity issues we're dealing with, and people just don't do what they know that needs to happen and know how. And they don't understand the why. So the why, to your point, 5 to 25 times less resources spent making money, right? So giving them very specific statistics, again, bringing it back down to what cybersecurity does, giving people numbers and say, look, if you just do it, then this happens. Oh, wow. Okay. So now that's motivation. So I think those three things, if we do them, continue to do them, then we're going to get that lasting change.
1: All right. I'm going to comment in and I'll keep mine short and sweet. Um, it comes down to, and somebody just said it in here, it comes down to logos. So having worked on the sales side and having seen how sales and marketing's worked all too often, and the commentary was already made, you have to go get new logos. You have to go get the Fortune 500 client. You have to go get this. You have to focus on named brands to be able to show value to the investment companies, etc., etc. So the more of those you get, the more chance you have. So, yeah, you know, once you've got us, that's great. You got us. Now you move on to the next kill or you ask us to help you move to the next kill. Um, it's all about money and it sucks.
0: Yeah. We, I want to take a few steps back. We, we touched on the answers to this next question just slightly through Dimitri just now and in the previous sessions, but for the CISOs in the house, why is advocacy particularly critical in the cybersecurity industry?
2: Because it's all Which, based on trust. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. Not many industries. I mean, I'll say like this: industries where protection is one of the things we're trying to achieve, protecting someone or something, they are primarily built on trust. Trusting in a tool, trusting in a process, trusting in the people. Um, and the best example, the best way to show trust that you are trusted mm-hmm. is by having people advocate for you. I think that's probably yeah I mean,
1: the I'll, I'll, I'll add to that. I just had a, a vendor last week. we were negotiating on price, and they're like, Hey, if you can either a sign by end of October, which isn't gonna to happen because of our purchasing process, or b, if when you're happy with us, if you could introduce us to a couple of friends. And, I mean, that's that's more powerful to them than probably anything else. Because, again, if I talk to Dimitri and say, hey, I've got this vendor, I've been using them for six to 12 months, they're absolutely fantastic. Um, the chances are Dimitri going to take a look at them if it falls into the remit of what he's looking to have done. Or we take it to the Tinkers groups or the CIA groups that we have, and it's a positive feedback. So, I mean, it's as simple as that.
2: Mm-hmm. I, 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 just, I just booked a demo with a company because I saw, a see, so I follow on LinkedIn, go work for them. Mm. And I reached out and I said, you know, I'd like to schedule a demo. And then someone, you know, someone responded on LinkedIn, blah, 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 And I said, I just saw someone, this person go work for you. So that's why I'm reaching out. Have you seen a lot of this happen? And they go, oh yeah, this has been happening a lot lately. And just a single person, all it takes. Someone I trust in the industry going somewhere, meaning that they've done the work. It's a shortcut. It's always about saving me time, right? It's someone else doing the research that I trust. That's it.
1: Now, the the caveat on that one, because I fell into that trap as well. You know, I went and hung out with the folks over at a TiVo and a Calvio. And that was good. I mean, it was good conversations. But then I went out to sign it. And unfortunately, what I was told versus what it was was so very, very different. So I got in there, looked around and went, holy shit. The, what, what you get told at interview versus what you actually work on? So, I mean, I backed out of that inside, what, three or four months, I think it was, because it was a shit show. And so, unfortunately, there were a lot of folks. We started a community the whole lot, and it fell to pieces. And that, that damages the reputation because they're like, well, hang on, we followed you. And I'm like, sorry, I made a mistake.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. See, from the seller side, that is one of my worst fears is asking somebody, you know, a customer to give me a referral and then we fall on our faces to those referrals. So you have to be very, very careful with that as well. And that's why we ask for referrals, as you both know, you know, once you're happy with us, give us a referral because we need those because sometimes we just can't get to where we have to be. But it's also you have to be really careful because I could fall on my face and make you look bad. This is a very fine line.
2: It the is. thing about ad- advocacy and referrals is that I will actually follow up on a referral I make because uh-huh. it's my, it's my name. It's Chris's yeah. name as much as, as much as anything else. He, he just, he told someone, Hey, I trust those guys. And those guys fell on their face. All right, hold on. Let's figure this out. So I actually am going to engage myself and say what happened what didn't work out, and maybe I'll even do my CISO translation thing. Oh, no, you guys are in violent agreement. Let me explain to you why they couldn't tell you exactly what should have been told, and that's why you misunderstood what they told you. So that's even another benefit of advocacy. You are actually getting an advocate for yourself for, for some time. And even if you fail, even if you fail in that demo, if I introduce you and you fall on your face, a lot of the times... I can help you fix that, or at least learn from that experience, and maybe even get a shot another shot at it.
0: Okay, here's where I hijack the conversation. This is fun. Um, I squirrel. wasn't original, yeah, squirrel. I wasn't originally going to ask this question, but now that we're talking about referrals, um, you know, customer stories, case studies, it's a challenge to produce those in 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 uh, inside you know as a marketer inside the vendor right i know firsthand either because of legal reasons or buyers not wanting to to expose the association with the the vendor and the product and the technologies even those anonymized ones are hard to get right so as a marketer instead of thinking about um what you want in exchange for a reference what can be a good, good alternative to transactional referrals and references on websites in order to enable people like Erica and Carlos
2: make sure i understand the question what what would so, erica and carlos w- want to concentrate on to make sure that the referral is valuable
0: Well, there's that, but as a, so me as a marketer, right, I want to produce those customer stories in order to publish them for validation on the website and for, and in order to enable Erica and Carlos to use that in their, you know, uh, relationship building uh, process, right? Instead of thinking it, thinking of customer references as transactional references, like what do you want in order to get a reference back?
4: What
0: what is a better better alternative approach to that in that will increase the success Ooh. rate to actually get customer got, stories?
1: I'll published. if you don't mind, let me take a first stab at this one. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because I we've done this and we did this we did this with Signet, uh, not Signet Muppets. We did this with Cyber Sixkill. So we ended up basically doing roundtables. And what we ended up doing was, hey, it was almost like a customer, potential customer, CISO type roundtable. And it was a fantastic way of doing it because I hate the idea of being pinned up on a board and everybody pointed going, look, you know, we got Chris or you know, any of that, we, got, we got the company he's with or any of that bullshit. That pisses me off. That will never happen. But I'm more than happy to sit down with a number of my peers and go, hey. Let's talk about threat intelligence. Yeah, let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of threat intelligence. Let's talk about the questions you ask. Let's talk about how you look at it. Let's talk about how you evaluate it. Let's talk about this because half the folks around the table are probably not fully aware of what needs to happen within a different realm. But you get an interactive conversation. You get these discussions that happen where either it's business or it's education. If it's done as an education thing, something happens out of it, great. But to me, it's much more of a live, interactive set of conversations rather than just you end up plastered all over a freaking website and all that bullshit.
2: But
1: then
0: how... Mm -hmm. Sorry, Dimitri,
2: go for it. No, I'll add add to to what Chris said. We we talked about this during uh, at least one or maybe both of our previous sessions. Um, It's not about... It's not about a project, it's about a program. It's not about mm-hmm. uh it's not about transaction, I need to borrow your term, it's about a relationship. So the way you make sure that it's not a transaction is to is by not making it a transaction, is what you're mm. advertising. It's not that you bagged Chris, right? It's not enough to get one moose mm. that may or may not last you through the winter, depending on the size of your family. But if you tell me I now have a consistent source of meat or fish and we have a program established that feeds my family through the whole winter, that is worth advertising. Not the fact that we bagged one Chris or one Dimitri. It's that Chris is successful at achieving something consistently at what he's doing. Dimitri is successful. So now if I'm being if i'm referring to chris i'm not saying we got a chris chris is gonna be upset about that we're saying chris is super successful doing this thing and we are helping him and chris will be super happy to talk about that because you in fact you are assuming you are the fact you are helping him consistently and you are interested in chris's progress and success that's what you advertise and so it cannot be a transaction if it is then thank you thanks chris and then, and then it's it's right back to yeah, it's a moose. And then we're right back to transactional.
1: I'm the moose.
2: Yeah, so back me up. Um, and we're back to transaction. So if you if you if you make a transaction, you're gonna get transaction, and then that's not gonna work for very, you. Very well.
1: I and Dimitri's got a perfect point on this one. I mean, it, it, it's really really good way of doing it. I think that way, it also makes that CISO or those CISOs part of the part of the process. I, there's no way I'm going to run around table if you've pissed me off. There's no way we're going to run around table. If we haven't been through a couple of hiccups, ads moves, changes and issues, we're going to run around table. If, Hey, it's been implemented. It's been integrated. The after support is working. Okay. And I'm happy standing up and saying, Hey, should, should smell sometimes, but it works perfectly.
2: And I would add to that, um, uh... That failures, issues are actually a good thing to talk about. Hey, we've been rolling out vendor A and we ran into an issue. But John Smith from vendor A was amazing. They tracked, they stayed with me throughout the whole process very quickly, identified this gap. And yeah, it's, you know, there's something that they need to work on in the product, and they are. And I'm waiting uh, when this, this comes out. But in the meantime, they've earned my trust because they didn't leave me alone with this problem.
0: Mm hmm. I love that you mentioned this, and I before I add uh, ask uh, Carlos and Erica to either kind of you know comment or take that down a path. It's just I love that you touched on failures and pains because I, you know, I, as well as some um, you know colleagues of mine, are interested to to know if expressing those pains or sharing those pains and challenges shows vulnerability are you okay with that amongst your peers is that something that is frowned upon or does that help you succeed
1: i think it depends on background um i i I mean everybody i'm very well i share almost everything on linkedin i share a lot of shit on linkedin because then that way you know there's a human behind it that way you know if you're going to call me up on a monday morning i might not had a good weekend and you're going to get your ass torn for a reason Or your 7th or 8th message is about to set me off. I just had one Muppet sent one in this morning. Um, And I'm going to tear him a new one. Danny, you're getting copied on it. Um, But I think that's one of those things. Showing you're human and those weaknesses. We all know... Rarely, if ever, does anything go in smoothly. We all know that there are issues, yet we do such a good job of varnishing over them and hiding them, and we shouldn't do that. We should acknowledge the fact that there are issues and challenges. We should understand what it takes to affect the change and to actually work through them. And this, I think, is that huge difference between a vendor and a partner. A vendor's going to be like, yeah, all yours, or blame six other people. A partner's like, hey, I'm bringing in the coffee. I got the donors for the entire team. What else can we do to help?
0: Nice. Carlos Erica, do you want to uh, touch on that a little bit or dig in? Well, well,
3: one one thing that's interesting, and this is this has been brought up in uh, now three episodes, mm-hmm. is the difference between you know uh, the uh, the transactional uh, you know uh, purchase or you know a, a program you know built upon trust and partnerships and and those sort of things. I'd say that the reason that I'm interested in the you know relationship aspect of selling and doing things in the way that i've decided to do them in a lot of ways that kind of line up with our firm's values is that i mean it's what it's kind of what works and what's sustainable i I think that the you know the way that um you know chris and dimitri and a lot of the folks in their positions are um you know, approaching buying, it it almost requires some sort of advocacy or some sort of digging in. I mean, there's certainly plenty of transactional stuff, you know, that's happening. And I guess the question is why? Because a lot of those are getting forwarded to you, Danny, <laughs> for you know, for for your website and for your and Chris's show. So I guess my, you know, I don't know if that's more of a statement, but I, I'm also curious about you know, for thinking about relationships for Dimitri and Chris. I mean, how many? like business people, vendors, slash partners, you know, do you have in your in your quiver? I mean, I mean, do you have like a handful of folks that you're just gonna go to? I mean, is that something that's you know a part of your approach overall?
2: There are some that are that I like when, when if Danny were to ask me, hey, who is the person right. like that? I I have probably oh, you know, like enough to count on one hand, um, but there are some, right? And that's and the number is growing. Uh, and especially after these these sessions we're having, I'm starting to get a lot of people reaching out to me and saying, I'm not here to sell you. You're not even in my territory. But you know, we'll just uh, just build the relationship. Now I'm getting some really weird attempts. Someone goes, you know, Hey, I see you're in Boston, and uh, there's winter coming. So how about we talk about my product? winter's okay. coming? Yeah, you know, or something, something really weird. Like, and i and i I can see how you made the logical connection between you know where I am and, and the winter is coming. But how does that, how does it, 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 how does that uh, connect with you know, uh, my, uh, I don't know, endpoint detection response tool? It doesn't. So we still get some educate. We still got some some th- some teaching to do. Some sp- some explaining to do here. Uh, for people to to start doing this engaging this a little bit better but um, I, I'm liking that it's changing so it feels like we're making a
3: difference I, th- I think so and my point in the beginning was just because I mean I think that w- what you're saying is your approach and your preference is a, I mean people's behavior you know seller's behavior has to change to some degree I, I just think that it's that's a natural progression and again I do it. I mean, I, I enjoy working this way, but also it works. I mean, you know, it, or, or it's the only way that seems to not only work, but is also sustainable, which are two important things, I think, to to um, uh, pay attention to. Which, again, back to the first, you know, when VC and, you know, private equities, equities involved and people are going through funding, it's a little bit different, you know.
1: Well, I, but it shouldn't be different. And I think that's the big thing. It probably it should be. You're
3: and right.
1: That, that, that's the huge part about it. And I think that's where everybody's missing it. We're all sitting here saying, "Hey, here's how it needs to happen. How do we get those messages to the VCs, the funders, those types of organisations? Like, hey, we're about to hand you money. Go sell shit, or go, you know, go saturate the market, go take market share, but doing it in a responsible, quite honestly, an ethical way." Um, that's the part where we've got to get hold of the heads of all these organizations and say, hey, you realize most of your audience is getting pissed off with your tactics. You've got to change it. And the authenticity, the trust, the ethics and the morals are going to come back into this somehow or other. And see, I think I, I think
3: that's. Oh, Eric, go ahead. Sorry, Eric. Yeah, sorry. Just
4: I, I was it. just gonna say, and that's where I keep saying the sales process is broken. How do we fix that? That's all I wanted to add. Is because I am in agreement with Chris, mm-hmm. and I I know I'm a seller, but it's broken. How do you get a VC to say, okay, let's build relationships instead of worrying about my top line or my bottom line? This is go
2: ahead, this Patrick. is why we're having this session. This is primarily why Chris named some names just now in in one of the previous comments. I know that some of the Mm -hmm. names he named are working hard exactly on this. They are recognizing that this is a problem. Maybe they won't be successful at fixing it, but at least there's now attempts at it. Um, And again, it's on us. Every conference conference you go to, there are startups. Every every, uh, cybersecurity event you're going to have with a vendor involved, raise this topic. You know, it's it's just like with, with anything that's happening that's massive and big and, and retroactively going to say, oh, I should have done more. This is your opportunity to do more, but do that now. So engage. Call it out. If, you know, if you can, try to be gentle. If you can't, that's fine, but at least offer some, some help. And uh, what's the – how do they put it? Be uh, – be constructive with your with your with your um, uh, feedback, but so, that that we're doing it. I mean, this is why we're doing this.
4: This this so, kind of, God, sorry, I was gonna I, say this kind of goes into my question that I have for you guys.
1: So basically, what you're telling me is I shouldn't have just called the founder and CEO of OpsLift a presumptuous ass. Um, yeah, that no, happened.
2: I I I think I think. <laughs> I think that as soon as you say that, you should tell him because... Oh, I did. A, I B, did. C, I, I explained so, why, yeah.
1: and The so, five emails that he previously said, and then he basically threatens my engineering team. Yeah, not a smart little buddy. And it's stuff like that. It's like, hey, this can't happen. That's not how you do this properly. And it came in just as we were online. So it's like, game on. And I think that's where it gets to be a problem. It's like, you just flooded my email five times. You told me you weren't going to spam me, and now you threaten my engineering team? Hmm, Yeah, that's not how to sell to me. But that's not how to sell to anybody in this industry.
2: I think that's opposite of advocacy, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I'll flame them, because you know what? They don't need to be in our industry. They're harming it, not helping it.
4: So with this being said, this actually is a good segue. So what is the best way to keep you engaged and loyal to my brand? How, like so if we're getting to the point of where I'm ge- I have you engaged, how do I keep you engaged? How do I keep you loyal? What is the best way to do that? Is it continuous education, event event invites, regular FaceTime, what what is that? Can you expand on it a little bit more?.
1: Oh. Uh... Dimitri, Be you want fami- to take this first? Cause I got some ideas yeah. on this as well.
2: I'll start. Be familiar yeah. with wh- with the with the why. Why do we have you and how is that going? That's your number one priority. What is it that we got you for? What is that progress that we were aiming for that we hope you will help us with? And are we on our way there? Because as soon as we slow down or stop, you started you starting to get that's a ticker starting of shelfware. Uh, expiration date right as soon as you become shelfware even deployed you can become shelfware Uh, and if your product if you're not if you're not helping me make my deployment of your product the best deployment you have then it's then it's on its way to becoming shelfware so if you want to retain me you know as a as a uh, as a customer And as an advocate, you have to continue to be interested in the primary reason we got you in the first place and do anything and everything in your power to help me be successful in that progress target. One
3: one of the things that came up last time was, you know, we talked a little bit about taking people out to things and like that aspect of building relationships. I've I've just, just... assume that during this process, like some of that stuff is kind of nice to have, but not certainly a need to have. And some folks don't need it at all. I mean, I think, uh, who was it, you know, James uh, mentioned over here, you know, that, uh, you know, building and, you know, and maintaining relationships is hard and, and time consuming. I've I just always assumed that, you know, doing what you say you're going to do and solving problems ends up, you know, solidifying the relationship in real ways that should allow for all the things to happen that you guys want to happen, as opposed to something that might be a little superficial and maybe even friendly. I,
2: I think, uh All of the stuff that you want to do or what you're taught to do to maintain a relationship is uh, like special stuff you do to maintain a relationship as opposed to simply doing the, the, uh, the job. And some of it might mean not just you, right? We're talking about the sale. Erica, and you, Carlos. You were on the sales side. But we continue to we continue to talk about CSM, customer success management, is a massive part of a sales process. We talk about retaining customers. The only way you can do that if you have some form of CSM. It cannot be just the salespeople. That's not going to work. It's not enough of you. And you do need to go and look and work with new, right? Help newer me. But there has to be a CSM. So some of the companies we work with. We that's one of the things we tell them. like maybe you're okay from the sales process, but your CSM sucks. And so that means your sales process is now kneecapped. You, you're gonna cro- you can't walk because you don't miss it. You're missing your knees. Okay. So get some knees, and then you can start trying to walk again. And you know, part of relationship building, all that, because the CSM is also going to help me with my project, my progress, all that stuff I talked about earlier. Uh, so
1: I'm gonna. I'm going back to Erica's point directly. Back to Erica's point on this one, and I think we've talked about it a bunch. And it and it varies from the current, from the mainstream current sales model, which is know your audience. You know, if you come up to me and say, "Hey, we got a steak dinner," I'm really not interested. If you come up to me and say, "Hey, you know what? Um, let's grab a coffee. We have got some really cool stuff on the roadmap." then I'm up for that conversation. I think the other part of it also goes as well, and and that's tough, because that means somebody somewhere has got to be taking some bloody good notes. Um, Let's talk about the roadmap thing. You know, I bought your product, and you're going to come back at me in six or 12 months time for some more money. That shouldn't be the first conversation. Where are you going? What are you doing? How's the company doing? I'm interested in that because you're in as a key part of of my enterprise organization. You are part of my risk model. Therefore, rather than me having to ask the questions, I want to just generally know again, hey, Chris, you got half an hour chat for a catch up for a coffee or a monthly cycle or whatever it needs to be. And I think that that hits that third point, which is engage engage with me for more than just money. Um, you know, again, perfect example. I'm naming names today because it is what it is. The folks over at Newspire, Maria and the crew over at Newspire. I'm having side conversations on text message because she follows the LinkedIn. We talk about stuff in general. How's life? What's going on? How's the world today? Danny and I did it for crying out loud when over cyber CyberSixKill, it wasn't just all business. It was just checking on life. So, and you don't want hundreds of those, but there's some key ones of those that you'll pick out and go, hey, they care for me as a human being more than just a source of money.
3: Mm-hmm. Get it. Yeah. Makes sense. That, that a lot makes of sense it does and a lot of that i would imagine has to come you know fr- you know from the top down company wide to sort of take that approach but mm-hmm. even still even if you have those side relationships where you like people if their company can't take care of you then that's going to be hard to instill still engage right so there's like there's it, that's where it becomes like i guess big picture right
1: but then that's so then you take that in a different direction then, what you do, and again, this is from having done this, I've done this from the sales sure. side. And I've sat down with a bunch of the CISOs and gone, Hey, we're working together because of the relationship we have. But I know you're getting fed up with A, B, and C. Let's get together, craft a message, and go back to the organization and go, Hey, your audience doesn't like what's going on how can we fix it advisory board all this other kind of stuff where that organization can now be shifted by the voices of the of the leadership that they've engaged with outside or maybe it's a forced function so there are ways of doing it effectively
2: yeah yeah when i was on the on the vendor side i've used it multiple times i would get customers Mm -hmm. in a room and i would say you are all there's like 10 of them in there and i would say 10 of you or nine of you mentioned this thing that doesn't work or works very inconsistently. My word means almost nothing to my product manager, but your word means a lot more. So how about we just work together, put together a message that all of you can sign under. I can then take that and bring it back and say, look, all these customers have this problem, but that's me maintaining multiple CSM level relationships with customers Mm -hmm. for their sake. For their sake, and then only then for the pride of my company and my work, right? So it's like, okay, I'm trying to help them, and my company's not letting me. So we're all failing them, the customer. So then I'm gonna go back and fight. And at the end, day, you know what might happen? Maybe you leave. But you're gonna leave, and Chris is gonna remember you as the person that tried to help me, couldn't get it done. Company wouldn't back them up, and they went elsewhere. So that person is trusted. Company maybe not. That's,
1: That's awesome. right. Perfect way of looking I... at it.
0: I love it. And I love the fact that you, you're you implying here that customer research, voice of customer uh, data should not be siloed to marketing and product marketing. Absolutely. Everybody should be interested in gathering that data in order to impact the whole business. It ties into the whole life cycle of the customer. How can I trickle that upwards, Carlos, right? How can I trickle it up to the, the C-level? Because it should not It should come from top down, but it doesn't. In an in in industry cases. that is...
2: In an industry that is so measured, right? So many things are numerical and quantified, and everything else. It is shocking to me how uh, little product involvement and and achieving targets is is folded into that. I don't understand how that's possible. I don't understand how only the new, you know, slivers or what's what's what people are measured on, not the full package. I, I I'm I don't know. I'm sure. I mean, again, that's why we're having these conversations, mm-hmm. but. That's like a revolution waiting to happen
0: mm-hmm. yeah 100 i think it's i think it's uh it's a challenge also it's a challenge you know you, you, even on the advocacy side right and again this is also a great segue when you take a look at the number of advocacy programs that vendors are are pushing out it's almost as if we're back to square one where it's like oh my god as a vendor, how do I differentiate my advocacy program and how do I stand out and how do I get them in my peer-to-peer group and how do I, and how do I get this number of CISOs in this group and how do I, so I'm just like, oh, you know, my mind is blown. And you know what, actually-
2: wait, wait a second, hold on. So this is an important point you just brought up. Uh, you just gave two or three measurement points, whatever they call KPIs, right? That's, those are two or three KPIs of measuring an advocacy program, right? Like, how many Chris's did you bag? Yes. Right. How many, how many, how many, me? how many yeah. mees? Is it, mm-hmm. it mees or meeses or mooses? Oh, meese. me. Mooses. <laughs> mooses. How many mooses? I'm going to say, I'm going to say mees. How many mees did you bag? Right. That's a KPI, <laughs> but that's not a true KPI. It's like, yeah. how many viruses did you catch? That's not <laughs> a good KPI for an EDR. How many right? customer
0: stories how- did I get? How many acts right. of advocacy to- did I push? And back are the pipeline Yeah. Right. So
2: that we start. So I, it, it almost tells me that the overall approach to selling and advocacy is in the, uh, you know, if you look at like CMM maturity model, you're like at level one, one and a half, maybe two. You're barely above ad hoc. You're barely above just, just barely enough handling incident response proverbial in sales techniques. You're not even close to defined, you're not measuring for sure. And for something that is years old, multiple do- dozens of years old. Again, that's
3: kind of a shock. But again, maybe that's something we can help fix.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's interesting. Well, copycatting, I mean, people copycat, right? They start to see like what's working and then it's like a lot of things in culture where the uh, first um, sort of uh, iteration of that tends to be somewhat new and unique and kind of seems wholesome in some ways. Right. And then, oh, it works everybody sort of jumps on it and then you got to check it's like i mean it's like your favorite band right it's like the ones that hit and like where art and commerce come together and you're like boom right mm-hmm. and then there's like 20 matchbox 20 20- xbox 20s or whatever <laughs> people don't like for different reasons I, I i shouldn't jump on them i'm not even a big whatever but you get the point right it starts to dilute over time yeah. and so it's almost like you have to keep rising the cream to the top it doesn't just happen it's not a single event it's an ongoing process of trying to make things better and try to be authentic and all those things okay.
0: so so this takes me to my next question and and you know uh, expanding on that you know given the sea of program you know advocacy programs and communities and all that kind of stuff <laughs> Are there any differences or anomalies right now in the cybersecurity industry that vendors can take advantage of to stand out in regard to those programs? Like, what can we How can we leverage some kind of differentiator? What is that? What, in your opinion, is a differentiator for for to stand out and for, you know, for you to say, okay, I want to join this community or this program or this board, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, va- value
2: ahead. we're back, we're back to value w- w- yeah. where, where do people get the most value? It's like, it, you know, it's the same thing. Like if those programs are looking for what, who is the best, let's go follow them. Same for us. Me and Chris are probably looking The three seconds we have left in the week, where, yeah. where can I spend those three seconds with the biggest, with the biggest bang for my buck? Like who's, who's, who am I going to follow on LinkedIn? which podcast am I going to listen to of the 1500 that are available? Which one is the most valuable? How am I going to know that through people like Chris, through other people, through Donny's, from Carlos, from Americas of the, of LinkedIn that we trust. Oh, they're, they've read this or copied this or reposted or whatever. Hmm. What is that? That's interesting. Chris mentioned a while back Tinkerer's network. You know, I was part of that for a while, like uh, last three years, probably. Uh, that's a, You know, it's a small community and it's, but it, you know, this value is continuous, just like a value waterfall. It's so much that I, I mean, I don't have time for all the value that comes out of that network.
1: You and I both. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, exactly to your point. I mean, I cut down the amount of Slack channels, the amount of discords and everything else. And it's pretty much so the Tinkerers and a couple of others. Um, because there's just there's too many areas, there's too many sources, there's too many places to look. There's not an effective I guess centralization. I mean, we talked about this one in the first and second one. I really would love to go to as as independent as humanly possible location to go look at ten different threat vendors and go which ones are good, bad, and ugly, as defined by our peers. Which ones do we care about on endpoint? Who's good about, you know, if I'm looking at this vendor, I want to go to one central single place and go, hey, what do my peers think about them? And we're not just talking CISO peers. I'm talking about peers just in the industry, folks who are starting out in the industry. How, how does this company treat just general engineers that are starting out in this industry? Just because I'm a CISO shouldn't honestly mean I like get special treatment. They should treat everybody the fucking same. You know how many of them are. You know that when then you turn around and any vendor, the first place I go to is I go straight to their website. I go to look at their leadership. If their leadership all look like me, I'm not doing business with them. End of conversation. And so I want to know who's actually looking to change the industry, bring more diverse thought, bring more diverse people, bring a more diverse mindset into the organ in, into this industry. So that's a huge part for me as well. And there's no good central place to do that. We've all had conversations, and a couple of folks in the audience have said a few things, but I want a good, well-defined one.
2: I'm, I'm, adv- I'm advising a startup right now. I think they're still in stealth, so I don't think I can say the name. Um, but they're talking about doing something similar, sort of crowdsourced. Uh, crowdsourced meaning industry practitioners. Yeah. Be, being the moderators for the information that is yep. then available to the practitioners, it's uh, whether it's just news and articles, and this is really good research, or this is a good vendor, whatever may be the case, um, and then correlating that to day to day operations and being able to tie one with the other, right, things like that. So I think this is starting to happen again. Oh, you got rid of the moose, uh, but um, I think we still got some ways to go.
1: I would agree.
0: What are some, you know, great examples of advocacy programs or communities that have stood out to you in the recent past? We don't need to name names, but maybe kind of stories or
1: within examples. the within just general stuff because I mean for, you've got for, stuff
0: for like... you for you specifically what has helped what has been valuable to you specifically that has um, been based on you know advocacy well, programs or you know uh, communities or boards or that I mean, what do they I look mean, like
1: that's a you know, there's I mean, you've got everything. I mean, I love Joanna Udo and the crew that she's she's got bridges in tech. And I love that because again, it's an advocacy group for a very, very specific reason. And I love the fact that there's practitioners in there from all levels and at all levels. There's a lot of good individuals. Uh, you know, Dimitri and I talked about the Tinkerers group. That's another good one. But there's such a, there, I mean, there's some amazing people in there, and you tend to use those. Um, Chris Costello's got some amazing folks on it. You've got the, who's doing the Lone Star one? What's his name, down in... I mean, there's some good groups out there. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple of others. Dimitri, who else you got?
2: Uh, I'm still benefiting from the SANS advisory board. No, you gotta, oh, you gotta, yeah, yeah. you gotta, you gotta clear a bar to get on it. Um, I think it was a ninety percent on the sense uh, test of some mm-hmm. of any kind. Uh, but but it's a it's a continuous wealth of information, and you get it in this sort of. It's it's coming to you, but in a controlled fashion, right? That you get messages from people, questions, and then a bunch of people start responding. So it's. It's the old school uh, new, new, uh, new what is it called news board uh, community people putting your thing up and then people responding to it. Um, but you know what if you don't have one and if you do some research and you didn't find anything that you like start your own, I'm sure you know five people and they will know each, each know five people and but it takes a little effort what, what Danny's doing what Carlos is doing what Erica' is doing right just get together and talk about this stuff. It looks a little cheesy the first time you do it, but once you realize you get people that think like you, which is the most important thing, you're like on your island in your own. Like, you know, Chris and me, two hedgehogs in, the, in our own little holes. And then someone's <laughs> like, hey, guy, hey, come out here for a second. Like, oh, wow. There's like other hedgehogs. Oh, cool. Let's go. Let's go over there. There's mushrooms over there. Right. So, like, it'll, it'll, uh, what's the word? Uh, you build it and they will come. This yeah. is it. Right. Start building. You got your little, Sandcastle you build and build it. The other kids will start coming with their shovels, and then you know, now you all. Next thing you know, you built your, you know, four-story sandcastle with jacuzzi outside.
0: Yeah, and that that touches on kind of what James had uh, mentioned in the comment comments here. It's it's likely easier for more established companies to build advocacy, but there's always the going to be the new kids on the block who want to get attention and those first few big contracts. It starts. From what we're talking about here, right? You got to start small, then scale. You got to start somewhere, yeah. and you know you don't need a, you know, go to market or launch with a with a fancy, you know, a fancy program. Think about that minimum viable advocacy program, right? The 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 MIVAP. It,
2: I would I would go further. If you have a vendor you like, meaning the vendor that is closest to what we're talking about, or at least what you think we're talking about, reach out to that vendor and say, hey, I I think what we got is pretty good, the relationship we got. Uh, Do you wanna, I mean, do you guys run customer meetings? Because any of those is a great place to start like this, especially with the vendor, because once they realize that they have existing customers willing to talk and advocate, that's it. They'll start pumping. This is how you tell them that there is value here this is the you know, reverse of it, right? How do you tell the sales team that there's value in this process? Show them value. What's value yeah. for them? Your attention. Give them a little attention. Hey, we can get together and chat about this. No stake required, right? So just whatever. Or, you know, if you want, if you've got some budget you have to burn through, send me some swag so I can use it for my awareness training campaign for my employees right? or, or something like that. Like Any
3: of that stuff, but just reach out, you know, if you're a That's CISO great. is my point. Yeah, I think that whole bi directional component of what you're talking about is sort of the, you know, what we hope are the outcome of these type of conversations, right? That we're able to help one another at the end of the day make our businesses our businesses better. And security kind of happens to be a big part of the glue that we're talking about. But that that happens through being able to, you know, reach out to each other on, on that level. I think that's pretty, pretty cool, Dimitri.
1: Yeah, let me so let's add another question. We we've we've talked about where CISOs hang out. We we've we've kind of pulled the curtain back on where we kinda of hang out. You know, we've got our little hedgehogs and we're all in our bloody fields and we're a bunch of mooses running around the woods. Um where about the marketers? Chief Marketing Officer, Chief Salesperson, where the hell do they hang out? Let's actually go hit them on their turf. Let's bring these conversations to them. Let's go sit at the conferences that they go to, stand up and go, hey, y'all are doing your shit wrong because we're here to help you understand how to be more effective about it. So where the hell do they hang out?
0: Well, Danny, go ahead. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Yes. I'm wondering (laughs) how, how much the percentage of CISOs that actually give a fuck like you and Dimitri do.
1: Ooh, damn it. I was not looking forward to that question.
0: That's because. what I'm wondering. I could tell you where we hang out. I could make a nice little LinkedIn post about it. But do you actually care?
1: I care. Well, I know but you I, do.
0: This is We talk every week I, about this stuff.
1: But I, I do wonder how many... Well, I don't wonder.
0: I, 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 I would don't. like for the CISOs to ask that question and to understand what we're going through. But is that i don't think that's is that top of mind i don't know i i mean it's a valid well, question I said,
2: it's it's back to the same pyramid how many CISOs don't know how many pieces know but don't know what to do about it and how many CISOs know and know what to do about it but don't care enough Like, mm. and for all three there's something we got to do for people who don't know we just got to get it more out and then linkedin we're doing that for pe- and and we are doing that. That's part. I mean, we are here, so we are, we are your tap into the CISO community. Every time we go on a on a seminar like this, it comes out, and other CISOs see it. We talk about this all the time amongst mm-hmm. the CISOs. Uh, and there's and then again, but then there are those that are well. This is a problem. But what do I do about it? And now they're seeing that something can be done. Just reach out to your vendor. Say, hey, look, you've done a good job for me. First of all, say hello to your boss and say, tell them the, I said this is a good job. And two you want to do something together so we can spread the goodness here mm. it's i don't know if it's the, or the i think it's not that it's not happening i think it's that that it's not happening yet it's very very fresh and very young
0: yeah
3: Danny, you, what? you you belong to. I mean, I think you belong to a cybersecurity marketing group or something, right? Is that specifically to to cybersecurity? Shout out um, to
0: cyber. Shout out to cyber. Uh, cybersecurity marketing society. They're a great group. Uh, One thousand six hundred plus CMOS down to product marketers uh, across to CROs as well. Um, some vendors are are in there as well uh, for the marketing uh, from the marketing side. Uh, you know, you have Gartner groups, you know, the, the Gartner subscriptions, Forbes, Forbes sub- subscriptions that CMOs are, are part of. Uh, you have WhatsApp groups. You have Discords. You have LinkedIn that's that's heavy there. You have meetups as well. It's it's very similar. I mean, I, I went through <laughs> – I had a marketer actually interview me on how I buy and why I buy, and it is very similar to how the C – the c-suite buys uh, in security so why do we continue the way we continue I, mean, I don't know if that's how we feel but um i it's largely similar
1: i okay so this is an interesting one i mean as a percentage where do you think we're at the people that actually care that want to affect change do we think that we're at 20 percent, 30 percent, 50 75 i would say
0: 10 to 15
1: on the CISO we, side, or the marketing yes, and sales and marketing CISO side?
0: side, the marketing and sales side—I uh, don't want to bite my
3: tongue—but <laughs> uh, I,
0: Chris, I, I think, I, I think it's, lo- it's very low, too low. I, I think it yeah, I think
2: it's per- I think it's pretty low because CISOs are still trying to solve the immediate problem and are not right. concentrating on on but, next thing.
1: I can't solve my problem. If I can't figure out who the hell to trust out there in the market, I mean, that's part of the issue. You know, I look at the issue. It's a perfect example. I need the first thing anybody should ever do when they walk into a freaking environment is understand the landscape. So you figure out what eyes you have in the environment. For that, you can either have something built in or you've got to put something in place. That's, that's, that's job number one. And then if I have to look at 20 vendors and I've got to figure out which one of the 10 to 15 of those are lying to me, which ones I can trust, that's a shit ton load of work I don't have time for. I need one person I can trust as a partner to go, hey, help me understand the very, very first task on my list of things to do as a CISO. And so I think it behooves us to say, hey, we have to find those trusted partners because we can't do this alone. You know, I'm fighting a fight in front of us. We're all fighting that fight in front of us. And we're also having to figure out who stabbed us in the back half the damn so, time as well.
2: The, the problem, Chris, is that most people have a very hard time being that vulnerable openly. Saying, I don't know, help me figure something out is a very vulnerable place to put yourself. And if you're a CISO who you think everyone in your company relies on to be safe. And then you realize that actually you are the only person or at least uh, the person with the most understanding on the topic, and that's kind of scary as well. Like if you're in the company, you are it from from yeah. technology protection perspective and the, and the, um, the uh, responsibility that you carry. That's very hard to come away from that and say, I don't know what I'm doing, or I'm not sure what I'm doing. Hey, can someone, can you help me out? That's very difficult to do for CISOs to ask that. Um, so that's why I think also percentage is pretty low um, uh, right now.
1: I wonder um, if that's just an, an awareness thing. I mean, it's it's that's back to a couple of LinkedIn posts that maybe need to happen. Hey, look, it's okay with, to admit that you don't know.
2: I was just thinking that well, after we're done here, I'm going to put a LinkedIn post up offering my participation, any kind of, you know, those like the, the day, one day long CISO events where like there's. 30 vendors in, in the hallway trying to sell trying to give you the the cup or whatever i want to do i'm going to offer to do a session for the CISOs on how to deal with your vendors to make vendors better maybe we got to start start having some of those sessions yeah um, and
3: it's a really and, it's a really great idea one thing i think also happens is that when i know when i'm speaking to someone and they have they have a they have a ton of restraints right one they don't have enough people, but also their budget restraint and their time restraint, they're almost forced into some sort of transaction, right? I need to get a this, and I only have so much time and dollars to get a this. I don't have time or the pro- I really, I'm getting three bids and I'm going with the lowest one and I'm moving on. I mean, that happens as well, which it doesn't do anyone any good, But that that does it does happen. Oh, it's 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 ultimately it can be catastrophic. Right. Yeah. Like Twelve months, 18 months down the road. But that's when, you know, people aren't building systems around their businesses in order to think about these things and process them. It's really they're just, you know, chasing their tail the whole time. But that forces them to be transactional.
1: So I wonder how much of that's also down to our longevity. So that's an interesting one. I wonder if that's part of it as well, because I look at where I'm at now, and I mean, I know the odds are stacked against me, especially me. Um, You know, longevity has not been my middle name for quite some length of time, but it would be nice to feel like I'd be here for a while. Yet, let's face it, CISOs are what, 18 months, 24 months, 36 months, typically? And so I'm going to go with that least bid because it's easy, quick, simple. I don't have to worry about it. And the chances are, by the time this shit's integrated and everybody starts complaining about it, my ass is out of there anyway onto the next one. That, I in think, fact, sucks. That, they'll it fire
2: it. you to pay for the damage you cause <laughs> while using the benefit that you leave. So that's not supposed to be
3: right. Yeah. So, so if you get brought in as an SDR or BDR for a software company, but you know, there's a certain amount of churn expected, right? You look at salespeople's um, typically their resumes. There's you know what I don't know what the number is, but it's like twelve months, eighteen months, whatever, right? People are hopping around from all different types of reasons, and so it's almost like it's a almost a cultural problem. But I think it's 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 worth talking and thinking about.
0: There's a really great question here. I want to head into Q&A now. Um, yeah. and th- this is a great uh, – unfortunately, I can't see who – Who? oh, Steve. Okay, Steve, yes. Uh, Steve said, um, why all the focus on CISOs when VPs, directors, architects, uh, et, cetera, et cetera, are often the movers and the shakers? I will say I agree. And from mm-hmm. an audience first perspective, this is something that we want to focus on is, is are the directors, the architects, engineers. But any uh, kind of comment on that in terms of doing research and, and engaging with kind of the lieutenants
4: with, within the organization? I will. I want to chime in on this because I say this all the time so those are my people most of the time the directors the vps because a lot of the times i can't get to the CISO. it is literally within my organization they require us to have access to what they call power buying power economic buyer and i Mm -hmm. get that but a lot of the times the vps and the directors are can become my advocate to the CISO because they, they report to the CISO. So it's really, and I'm not, you know, calling out the vendors and the resellers, but it's, it's on us why we do that. And it is important to, to get to the CISO, but if I don't get to the CISO, I have to answer to that.
2: Nice. I think it's a just a, it's a, a lack of education again mm. uh, in, the, in the industry. A CISO is a uh, it's a particular title, but it's not a particular person. It often or can be a combination of people in the company. Even if there is a person with a title, like you guys said, it's it's those those different roles. So if that's where the progress is needed the most, some VP or director or an architect, then you start there. You don't need a CISO per se, but if you're engaged correctly and provide necessary guidance to that person, you will end up with a conversation with a CISO. It, it's a, uh, the magic key is in your hands. Mm. It's not, it's it's for you to lose. If you already started having a conversation with director or VP or whoever else that isn't a CISO, if you don't get to a CISO, 90 pri- 90% ninety it's your, your the result of your work, positive or negative. Uh, I'm not going to say it's your fault, but uh, if you approach it correctly, you may not get a CISO conversation in the next week. But if you approach this correctly, aim at progress, aim at maintaining a relationship, you will inevitably end up talking to a CISO.
4: Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, I think
3: from our oh, go ahead.
0: No, it's all you. Well,
3: I was just going to say. From, I was just going to say from from our side. I think it's just important to have those open and honest conversations from the beginning. We talked a little bit about tire kickers last time, but I think through our process, like meaning talking to people and, and, and validating whether it's a good fit or not, you just have open dialogue about where they are in the system and who makes ultimate decisions and how their process works. And I think if you do that, you'll, you're, you're, you're good. You don't necessarily need to talk to a CISO or a CFO if you, you understand where you fall in in line with everything, and everyone's being honest and upfront. I think if you understand their 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 buying process, I think.
4: Yeah, I'd love to. Have, I love. I'd love for that to be an answer that I could give to a higher up in my organization. Any organization.
2: <laughs> no,
3: I get it. So, We're a
4: little more lenient so over
2: here. Erica, I've offered my time to salespeople who have problem doing exactly that. Not to oh, sell. It's to not me. that. I don't-
4: it's not that no, I have a I problem.
2: At, no, no, but like if you if your management doesn't understand this and you are in a BDR, an SDR, or an account executive that is facing this problem, yeah. maybe that's what you ask a CISO for. Don't ask them to talk to them about selling them the pure piece of software. Maybe instead ask for their help to help you get the message out to your management about what works best with CISOs.
4: That is perfect. That was my next... Uh thought that I was going to (laughs) say so you took it
3: up you took it away from me
2: I'm saving your voice I know you you're saying
4: yeah thank you
3: but that can be an odd KPI right if it just doesn't make sense I mean I I think that's where you try to fit everything into sort of some box that's not necessarily open for one honest conversation and, and understanding of reality and it can hurt you more than it can help you, right? Like we've talked last time pounding on someone, hey, I need to talk to someone because I need to check this box off or I can't take it into whoever and get approval to get pricing or whatever. Yeah. Okay,
0: Okay. I I wanna head on to to one more question because we're past the hour already, which is great. I I could go on for hours, but I wanna let everybody go. Uh, Are LinkedIn referrals acceptable? front and and CISO approved
2: you mean you mean like uh, if you if we conclude some form of a sale and i write you a referral on linkedin and could that then be used uh, hey look this CISO uh, approved <laughs> approved me type of thing
0: i will not assume tim could maybe shed some light on that um but perhaps or you know maybe a linkedin you know, a CISO has mentioned something. I don't know if a CISO would mention something great about, you know, explicitly about a vendor uh, on LinkedIn, I'll, maybe yes, but
2: anyway. I'll take what I, yeah, I'll take what I did. Meaning if someone did this thing, which I've done in the past, that could work. So if, if I like how a salesperson or some company did something, I will call them out on, link, on LinkedIn and say, you know, these guys have done a good job. That. Is a referral I'm willing to give, assuming there is some, you know, it's 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 that uh, they've earned it. And to me, then if I then someone sends this to me and says, well, "Look, you're someone you are friends with on LinkedIn, put this on LinkedIn about us."
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Would you, you know, would that improve my chances of asking you some questions about your
1: your program?
2: I think that mm-hmm. could work.
1: See, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do it for a couple of reasons. Um, And there was a comment that was made earlier on. I don't know what's going to happen to that company in one, three, five, ten years' time. And so put the referral out. um, So to me, it's a double-edged sword. One, you've got that one. So you've got that referral out on that company that might have just turned into a bunch of numpties because of no fault through certain peoples. But you've also – and the other reason I don't like doing it with a company one is you've now also said, you know, if I'm doing any OSINT or any intelligence research, now I've potentially opened up who knows who knows what about me. So I've almost, you know, as opposed to now the vendor telling everybody that I'm running their software, I'm doing it my damn self.
3: Mm-hmm. For me,
1: the LinkedIn referral would be, I get a three-way conversation going, or I'd reach out to a friend, like I'd reach out to Dimitri and say, hey, look, i just spent the last year using these folks. It looked like you were looking for something like that Take a look at them if you want. I'll get you in a conversation with them. And Dimitri then has the opportunity to say, "Yeah, go for it," or "Nope." If he says yes, go for it. Then I'll just do a three-way conversation. Then you know, so Dimitri meet Danny, Danny meet Dimitri. You all go have some good conversations, and then that's it. And that that to me, a doesn't expose anything. B keeps that as a very now kind of conversation, and then I'm happy to do those kinds of referrals.
4: Mm.
0: Love it. There's one comment here. I don't know if we should touch on this comment here. I think Chris, you might have hissed at that prior to my question, but.
1: Uh, <laughs> what did I, what did I hiss on? I don't, hiss. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I do. Uh, I do. Hiss. There,
0: there's a comment here. When we talked about CISOs, why CISOs and not the, the VPs and the directors and the engineers.
1: Oh yeah. 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 No, yeah. I mean, it's, no, I mean it's okay. Uh it's I kept quiet on that one because it is tough. Um and mm-hmm. partly because everybody wants the CISO's head. Let's face it. I mean, there's two things. One, the vendor wants the CISO's head. Secondly, now from a fiduciary standpoint, most companies have to have a name CISO. Mm. And let's face it, when shit goes wrong, we're the first ones that to get the blame. So that's probably why. Now, do we rely on everybody inside the team? Hell yes. Do we do we take feedback from everybody in the team? absolutely if if i'm talking to a vendor and one of the team gets i get negative feedback from the vendor then i'll dig into it and i'm actually uh, one of one of our crews just literally stood four feet away from me and we were looking at a particular vendor and i got some pretty interesting feedback from him on it and i actually kicked it to the vendor and said hey i need commentary and i need to know what the hell happened here Mm -hmm. now to their credit they stepped up and they gave the commentary checked in with with the crew but it's one of those things where everybody's feedback is necessary in that loop
0: right right okay well we've headed towards almost one minute in Ah, uh, one hour, no, one minute, one hour and ten minutes. Um, we're gonna wrap it up. Um, any final thoughts before we we head off?
4: I vote for a uh, fourth
0: session.
1: Fourth I, session, shall we? Yeah, anytime. I vote. Yeah, I vote for that. And just Danny, thanks an absolute ton for putting this together. 100%. Simple as that. And for everybody listening, it's been fantastic. Yep
2: can I in can I ask for a poll from people that listen to see if they want a fourth session ah. love it yes. so that's so that's number one and quickly number two uh, a year from now none of you should be should be in a position to say we haven't done enough mm. okay so whatever that is in your mind do that if you need help doing that from one of us or at least from me I know Chris is hiding further than me in his uh, hedgehog uh, slash moose <laughs> poll um we we are here uh but do something uh, a year from now five years from now we should be able to say we've done something to make this industry uh, a bigger player in the safety and security of many many
0: things love it mm, amazing well this has been an absolute pleasure thank you to our wonderful panel who has joined us for three weeks in a row. That is absolutely wonderful and super helpful. This has been an incredible experience for me. I know that uh, several of our listeners have expressed a lot of gratitude towards you for doing this and, and um, answering very brutally honest uh, and honestly. <laughs> um, we did, this is our last session, but we might run a bonus to a bonus episode, but that's up to you, the listeners. Comment fourth session in the comments below if you want us to run a bonus episode with open Q&A. Uh, again, if you didn't have an opportunity to listen to the whole session, all of the recordings will be on audiencefirst.fm. That's audience1st.fm. Uh, plus extra goodies will be provided uh, via email. Please do let us know if this was good or bad, what we could have done better because we want, we want feedback from all of you and we want to improve for future episodes. I will be doing this again. This is not the last series I'll be doing. We have to continue this. Uh, we have to continue this. Yes, we need more mooses. We need more animals. More back- it's meese. We need more mooses. More, meese. Meese. <laughs> more <meeses. laughs> But yeah. Um, yeah, we're figuring it out how to brand this. Whether it's going to be building relationship capital series or CISO sellers mastery series, we'll figure it out. In any case, we will see you all again, the panel, because they are loyal yeah, advocates like of not. audience first. Yes, absolutely,
3: hundred percent.
0: But uh, thank you, everybody, and enjoy the rest of your week.
3: Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thanks, thanks everybody. everybody. Yeah. yeah.